Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is going on, Rotorgrinders? Welcome to the NFL Pick 6 show. Coming at you week eight. Uh, two of the brightest minds in all of the DFS uh, NFL football industry, fantasy football industry. Uh, first batting, first leading off. It's a... Uh, John Daigle, you know, from Roto World. John, how are things uh, treating you? How's hump day? How's hump day working out for you? We're all good. Rich is, Rich is probably the football industry as well. He hangs out with all the sharp guys, literally, oh. over there. Yeah. Uh, but no, everything is going well. I think we're coming off a good week. We talked about Carolina's offense, and you had to have DJ Moore to take down tournaments. Uh, talked about a few other players. So, yeah, I think we had a really good week last week. Yeah, yeah, it was a good week for myself. How about, uh, how about yourself, Rebar? How do things work out for you? Of course, you all know, as John alluded to, you are from Sharp Football Analysis as well. Uh, how did week seven work out for you? Week eight, uh, not great. I thought last week was the best week in all, you know, I, I, before the slate. Before anything happened, I was like, the slate was amazing. It had everything. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it this week. Uh, you know, 22, 22 teams, obviously. A lot of teams on by. We'll get that in a second. We talked the main slate. Uh, it's worth noting this is on a Wednesday night. If, we, if you guys are watching us on Friday, information does change. We're speaking to what we know as far as Wednesday night. But this week, uh, Rebar, it's like, what, only one game in a dome last week with like five or six. Some of the really, really fun teams to have are not playing in the main slate. Arizona, Washington, Jacksonville, we love picking on them. Houston's on a bye as well. Atlanta and Carolina play Thursday. Dallas and Philly, uh, we're not going to get to see the – Thank uh, God. What's the person's – Danici? What, what's the – Yeah, Ben Danici. Ben Danucci. Ben Danucci. <laughs> ben Danucci. <laughs> Has a little bit of rushing juice in him too, by the way. It's the Danucci He's season, fun. Sunday night. Uh, yeah, and then, of course, uh, the Monday night game, Tampa Bay and the Giants, so we won't be discussing uh, uh, the Michael uh, Mike Evans situation with Godwin out. Rebar, uh, thoughts as far as week seven, and let's look forward as far as week eight. Are you with me? Is this, does this like, look, feel kind of mad, at least on a Wednesday night? I mean, it, look, it looks fine. I think there's some fun games and fun play, but like you said, it's not as objectively as great as last week where there were just so many plays last week. We talked about it. There were just so many plays, and they all hit. Everyone did good last week. I don't think anyone did bad last week. I know there were losers, but I don't feel like anyone did bad last week. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, this week looks good too. Uh, just a little different. And we're going to be officially in November. So we've already just seen like big NFL like weather come out. Like everyone's a weather reporter on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens Sunday morning. But we've already seen that already happen. So around some of these games we're going to talk about. So that's a... Uh, Hopefully everyone sets their clocks uh, back and it's yeah, spring forward, fall back uh, uh, on sa- Saturday night. So we will lose an hour of sleep, to, but you get to watch football earlier. Do you have a general thought as far as weather? I know last week, uh, you know, the Kansas City game, that total uh, was what, 48, 49, and it plummeted to 44 or so. And granted, there were still, there were two defensive touchdowns. I think they still got there and beat the over. And that's just one specific case. But 
I usually lean on Vegas and I don't flip out too much unless it's crazy wins like snow. It's hard to defend snow with just, you know, as well. The defense has to play in it too. Uh, do you have a general thought as far as how you're dealing with weather? And of course on a Wednesday night, we're not talking like specific games because who knows what's going to happen on Sunday. Not, not overarching, but uh, like it was funny last week because Patrick Mahomes two years ago went in, into a frozen tundra and beat new England, the AFC championship. And then the year prior, put up 340 and two touchdowns on top of the Broncos in snow. And then everyone was betting down on the game that it made no sense at all. Of course it got there because the defensive touchdowns. Um, I just treat it midweek as it's as plausible for me to say it doesn't matter on Wednesday as it does for everyone to say it matters on Wednesday. So just, we're going to pretty much try and treat it like uh, it's non-existent and then we can adjust later on. How about that? Yeah, that's basically where, where I'm at as well too. Rebar, is that kind of where you're at as well? Yeah, for the most part, I mean, we know like a uh, big picture that, you know, high winds impact games and, you know, cold weather, but literally any lineup decision I've ever made based on weather uh, has come <laughs> back to screw me. Uh, it has not worked out. So yeah, unless it's crazy, like when you, t- like I need to turn the TV on and like basically see like they're playing on like Planet Hoth and then like uh, that might like impact me, but it's always so sketchy because these things change. Listen, I'm in, I'm in Ohio. And like, I could tell you that the weather changes every four hours here, mm-hmm. uh, especially this time of year, you know, from, it, uh, from October to March. So it, 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 I'm not going to try to predict Wednesday, on Wednesday what it's going to be like Sunday when those teams play. It snowed in Chicago here yesterday. I started complaining and today it was 55 and sunny. Well, there you go. That, well, Chicago is one of the games. I was thinking of games in a dome and that, that's not one of the three feature games we talk about when the World ones is playing Chicago and it's weird. This is the first uh, outdoor game for New Orleans all year. I'm sure I'm a, you guys probably are aware of that. That's so probably mm-hmm. not breaking news to you, but I was kind of going through the slate earlier today, and I'm like, wow, that seems kind of weird. We could... And it's just the time where, uh, as hosts, we're supposed to say, wow, I can't believe it's week eight. It's flown by. Like, is this when we start? Is this when you start saying it every single we're, week? We're, we don't pretend on this show, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's been long as hell. It's been a long eight weeks. It's been the longest ever, actually, to be quite honest. <laughs> Well, what we do, what we do on this show is we focus on three main games, and then we'll uh, branch out and talk about our fair players. You know, position by position, hits from quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends that we did not feature in the three main games. Batting first, leading off, Minnesota versus Green Bay. Uh, Daigle, I presume, I think you're the one that generally pounces first on our unofficial spreadsheet, and we're using that term very liberally uh, as far as which games we selected. Uh, why did you pick Minnesota Green Bay? And feel free to lead us off. Well, it's one of those weather games, actually, that it initially opened at 54 and a half, and it's since been bet down nearly two points. And I love the over at 54 and a half. And to see it bet down, I'm probably still going to keep on sprinkling on every day until we get closer. And like we know Sunday morning, that then maybe weather impacts it. But until then, not worried about it at all. I like both of these offenses, especially since it now looks like we're going to get Dalvin Cook back in his every down role. And for Aaron Rodgers, uh, it just really hasn't stopped, right? There's been one blip on the radar against the Bucks, but that's the blip on the radar that everyone has. We're going to talk about a quarterback th- later on in this show that faced that same matchup last week, and we like, most likely, this week. Otherwise, for Aaron Rodgers, though, 18 fantasy points in every game this year outside of that one, and 24 in four of those five contests. We saw him and Devontae Adams link up and absolutely just destroy the Texans this last week. A great bounce-back spot for them. So overall, now the Vikings defense without Yannick Ngakwe has allowed eighth most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. I like the Packers' offense, and I like the Vikings to respond. That's why I jumped at it with this game in particular. 
All right, so Rebar, this is a, a rematch of, I believe, week one. Week one, they put up 77 points. I think it was kind of sort of fudged to some degree because Minnesota kind of made it close at the, at the end. I think that's what it, they meant, switching the teams. I think that's correct. Uh, there is the general rule, general thought, and even plays out statistically, uh, that the team the teams tend to play a little bit more defensive, lower scoring games in round two. Uh, do you care about this or no, not so much? Uh, not, not a whole lot. I'm still looking at things mostly from just an, an individual, you know, compartmentalized outlook and, you know, breaking down this game is really kind of all I'm worried about. We knew that Mike Zimmer is a guy that can make adjustments and, you know, as background, uh, but they just don't have the horses, man, on defense. I mean, they're doing what they can. They've improved as, as the years gone on, but they just, they don't have any good cornerbacks. They just traded Yannick Ngakwe. They don't have Daniel Hunter shut down for the rest of the year. And Rodgers, that's really what it comes down to. Rodgers still is just pressure. I mean, he's got a 33% completion rate against pressure this year. Uh, just That's really what it comes down to. These teams that can't rush the passer and are going to let him sit back there and pick out guys wide open, he's going to tear apart. And that's really where we have, have a, another spot here again against this Vikings defense that's not going to really pressure him, uh, even with David Bakhtiari out. We've seen that Houston couldn't even, couldn't even protect him. I don't even know if Bakhtiari is even for sure out this week. He was out last week. But uh, this is another one where we need that if the weather holds up, I mean, it sets up well because where both these teams are is bad at is defending the deep ball. Uh, downfield targets and both these quarterbacks want to throw downfield. I mean, Minnesota is dead last. They're 32nd in the NFL in completion rate on throws over 15 yards downfield. Green Bay is 28th. Kirk Cousin leads the NFL in pass attempt percentage on those throws. Aaron Rodgers is fifth. These guys want to push the ball downfield. Uh, the Vikings want to run play action. Uh, if they're in neutral game script, they will play slow. And that's probably what people are looking at from a pace stance is if this game does have neutral game script, they're saying, well, we can hedge and take the under. And then that's also, like we said, early in the week, people are trying to get in front of like whatever edge they can on early weather reports. Cause this one was supposed to be one that's windy as well. Um, but the Packers are just really easy. That's why they're always fun to play. When you can't pressure Rodgers, we just stack with Devontae Adams and we walk away. Uh, it's real easy. In three full games of the season, he's at 17, 10, and 16 targets. Uh, going back to last year's past 14 full games, he has 10 or more targets in 13 of his uh, past 14 full games played. Uh, he's crushed the Vikings, like we talked about. They don't have any good cornerbacks. Um, and then if we don't have Aaron Jones, again, we didn't really see anyone. The, the pricing didn't get aggressive on Jamal Williams or Gio Bernard this week. And they're both probably have a chance to start again. Uh, we'll have to wait on Jamal Williams a little bit more, uh, but he's another guy. He played 89% of the snaps. A lot of people were kind of wondering if AJ Dillon was going to get any burn. It was going to be a, a kind of a backfield split. Nope. Easy, easy, clean sweep here for Jamal Williams. He offers, offers passing equity as well, uh, which we love. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see if Aaron Jones plays. But I mean, the Packers are just a really easy side to play because we never have to get cute with them. To that, to that point, uh, Robert Tanyan also, 11 targets, 18% target share in two games without Devontae Adams, and then with Adams this year, four games, nine targets and a 7% target share. So again, we don't have to get cute and pay up for these other guys. I've already walked down the MVS road to death one time, and it doesn't go well for anybody. So it's just Devontae Adams and Jamal Williams, and that's it with Aaron Rodgers. I, I'm over here struggling with my camera, by the way. I'm looking at the chat there for YouTube. Uh, what's up, YouTube? Feel free to like and subscribe and uh, notifications and the whole deal. We much appreciate that. So we can keep pumping out free content to y'all. Um, hey, we can also go ahead and drop that link for you guys. If you want to get five, five $5 off your first month at RG Premium, RG Core 4, uh, hit that link up as well. I uh, My camera has been rattled, apparently. We try to fix it. It, it just got, got goofy on us about a second before we went live. So uh, doing it on the fly here. Hopefully we're all good, but they're having a fun time making fun of my camera. And hopefully we're all good going forward. Uh, 51 and a half, by the way, is what that line has tumbled down to. That's all I'm talking about as well, too. I kind of gave it a refresh. And yeah, like you were saying, it was like 54 a few days ago. 
Um, yeah, so Jamal Williams, assuming Jones doesn't go, and like that's what we're looking at. It, it looks like at least as of Wednesday night, Jones probably doesn't play for Green Bay, and people were talking about the pot- potential of being at uh, A.J. Dillon season, have to justify that draft pick, where they, hey, they maybe should have got some receivers. Um, yeah, it didn't really happen. That was essentially Williams' backfield. And what was the stat, uh, Rebar? 99.999% chance that Cook's going to play this week. Is that sound about right? What was it? Oh, I, oh Cook? Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, Dalvin Cook. I'm sorry, man. I, I was like, who? Uh, we're, we're talking about the Vikings. Yeah, uh, Zimmer come out, came out and said he expected him to play, and that's kind of what we all thought. It was early reports, so it, is, it was a mild injury, but they had one game prior to their bye, and they were going to play it cautious. Um, for Aaron Jones, I mean, the Packers are notorious. Like, they don't play questionable guys. Uh, we saw that already play out with Devontae Adams a couple times earlier in the season. But they are they, – they never, like, give guys the green light that are questionable. That's what we knew last week when they said he's going to be a game-time decision. It was like, it's, it was like he's, he's not playing. And so we'll see how practice progresses. But if he isn't practiced by Friday, like, he's not playing. He's not going to play on Sunday. Um, so just monitor, monitor the last two days to see if, you know, Aaron Jones plays. And then we'll have to make that decision again of, of Gio or Jamal Williams. And this week it might be a little more of a of conversation too. Even uh, maybe, maybe we'll talk about that game too as well and talk about Gio. The Vikings are tricky though. They are a tricky team in DFS because all their guys are expensive. Justin Jefferson has really been spiked up. Justin Jefferson is more expensive than Keenan Allen now on DraftKings. Uh, which that's more of a Keenan Allen issue though because like Keenan Allen should be more expensive but yeah go ahead yeah I mean well he got the bump and he's almost priced near Adam Thielen now the gap between because a couple weeks ago when we wanted to play Justin Jefferson against the Falcons it was because he was the cheap he was the cheaper option and it's you can make an equal argument for both these guys where they're both getting their targets downfield the one discrepancy between the two is that Adam Thielen has nine end zone targets and 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 his touchdown equity has really saved his floor a couple weeks where he's had 35 yards, 29 yards, but he gets in the paint where Justin Jefferson has yet to show that, you know, we only had the one game a couple weeks ago against Seattle where only had the five targets and 23 yards, but he doesn't have the, the bailout clause, the, the, the cheapy touchdown yet. Uh, so that makes him a little trickier to play um, because we have no idea like what's going to go on with the Packers. Who, if they're going to have Jair Alexander chat on one of these guys, if they don't care, uh, it doesn't matter if we think cornerback matchups are overrated or his equity. Like when te- teams just aren't throwing at him, they're just not throwing the ball at, at him at all. So there's a, a lot to be said to, to where he shadows this game or if he shadows at all, you know, gives the other guy a bump. But that's what makes them tricky because we're flying in the seat of our pants here. Uh, Thielen did score a touchdown on him in week one. Uh, but like I said, Thielen's another guy, like I said, outside of touchdowns, like and the bubble is going to pop on Thielen. I was a big Thielen advocate before the season, but. 35% of his PPR points have come from touchdowns. He's got the highest dependency on touchdowns of the top 50 scoring wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, they said the, the nine end zone targets show that's maybe not completely fluky, but he's converted seven of them for not for touchdowns. Uh, so, I mean, there's probably some regression due on Thielen at some point here. Maybe it just doesn't happen. Uh, we see these things kind of the, the small sample that is the NFL season. Sometimes you don't always have it oscillate back in the midst of just one season, but uh, I'm, I think the Viking side is really tricky. The, the bring back here is really hard. It's, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to, to Rich's point, it's, it's five of seven as well on those converted end zone targets, uh, seven end zone targets, which is tied with DK Metcalf since week three for the league lead in that time. And that's when Justin Jefferson entered the starting lineup. So there's not really any positive regression coming for Adam Thielen. It is a matter, like Rich said, when the bubble breaks. So that's why I sort of lean towards uh, Justin Jefferson in this spot. 
Having said that, it is a matter of who Jair shadows. Uh, Jefferson has played 34 snaps in the slot compared to Thielen's 31 since Jefferson entered the starting lineup as well. So it's just very close all around between that and targets overall with the two. We, uh, we never spend this much time on wide receiver quarterback matchups. Like, smash the over, like over over like three seconds was the over-under, I think. They just uh, they just remind me of like poor man's DK and Tyler where they never go off together, but you pretty much like have to get one of them right every week. And they have one good game about... together. They have one good game as the Houston game. They both kind of got off together and the rest it's been either or. Uh, I saw somebody in chat say it's Herb Smith season, back-to-back games with five targets. I guess that's something especially considering how, you know, he's cheap. He's 3K on DK. If you want to punt, you might get yourself a free touchdown. Do we care about our, is it Herb Smith season? No. Uh, he, the usage is up at least. After shunning Todd Gurley last week, I'm going to stop just shunning players overall because <laughs> they come back to come back to haunt me. But the usage is at least up because in the two games before the Vikings went to their bye, he did, he did set season high and routes run on Kirk Cousins' drop back and back-to-back games. So the usage is there. I just wonder how much of that usage against the Falcons was because they looked up at the scoreboard and were behind by three scores and they had to do something. Also, it kind of sucks because Smith is the one getting him down there, and then they just pop in Kyle Rudolph inside the 10-yard line and throw him end zone targets. So I don't know how to treat that at all. Yeah, Earl uh, should have had a touchdown in that Falcons game, and uh, Deion Jones made a ridiculously awesome defensive play to prevent a touchdown in that game. Um, it was a great defense play, actually. But, uh, yeah, the problem mm-hmm. with Irv is that, yeah, the end zone targets have always favored – have always skewed towards Kyle Rudolph, which has always kind of taken the sheen off of his ceiling. But 3K – yeah, you know, you, <laughs> you know, you sometimes do, you I'm not gonna dunk on anybody's 3k tight end. I'm just, right. I don't have it in me. <laughs> it, you know, it depends. I, I, I don't like when people say like all you need is nine points and they quote unquote hit value because it depends what the rest of the slate does. Mm-hmm. And we've seen like through week one, week two, week three, where like the tight ends were an absolute disaster and people were taking down tournaments with a zero at 2.5k. But that's it's not so much because the guy went zero. It's a what it got you, like that you had salary filler positions, and b that the rest of the tight end field also failed too. So it's a combination of both those things, and that's kind of sort of hard to predict. Uh, the Green Bay side, I don't want to play like the Sternberger or like a. This is my favorite thing about this. Uh, let me get it right, Tunyon. And the reason why we know his name is Tunyon because somebody tweeted out uh, it rhymes with Funyon. Which, by the way, they could have used Onion. But they say, let's go with Funyun because that's more fun. That's a more fun word to say than it rhymes well, with. Well, it literally has fun in it, Dean. There it is, yeah. Breck uh, <laughs> was a champion for Funyuns out there. Unofficial sponsor now of the Pick 6 show. Uh, I, I don't have any interest in these in these tight ends. I, I suppose, like, uh, Tunyon can get there, but uh, I, I don't I don't imagine I land there. You guys have any thoughts as far as Green Bay tight end? Or It's basically, I mean, it's, it's Adams or bust. I, I know MBS has some uh, air yards but the floor is low for me. Uh, but, you know, I suppose as a, tar- as a dart, he's 3.8K. Why not? It, it didn't matter in the end last week because I played Stephon Diggs with Josh Allen. But, uh, but I also think you can just get away with Jamal Williams and Devontae Adams without having Aaron Rodgers just because their usage is so strong every week. Yeah, that was, that was a weird one because, uh, you know, we thought I, – I was thinking, I was talking to somebody as the game was going last week as far as Diggs and Allen, and I was like, this is actually – like, oh, Allen's busting out there. I'm like, this is the good setup. They're behind. He's going to chuck it a bunch. And, you know, the, the next two and a half quarters, he's going to get there, you know, all you need that – and it just never happened. Like, what, and, uh, where did this game I, go? You, need, you needed Josh Allen to Tyler Bass is what you really needed. 
Oh, it was uh, it was not it was not good. Um, if you guys uh, stack the bills last week, and we'll we'll kind of have that conversation, I suppose, when we get in the quarterbacks as far as Mahomes against the Jets, and it's like, well, you know, how much are you going to get out of them? And if you could sort of spot the Jets a couple t- couple touchdowns somehow, that'd be amazing. And then all of a sudden, you're you're super excited about your Mahomes uh, and your your Kansas City stacks. All right, we're done with this game. I, I assume we're kind of moving on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right, batting second, Cincinnati, Tennessee. It's another one of the. You know, I'm trying to pull up the uh, the odds as far as this game and the fly. I know this is over a 50 as far as the total, at least it was as of a few hours ago. As I'm just saying words to buy time so I can scroll to the game. You'd think I have it right up there on cue. There it is, 53 and a half. Uh, Cincinnati is a five and a half point dog here. Uh, you know, hey, let's start with this one, Daigle, because uh, I saw the chat talking about it. And they're talking about A.J. Green being dust. And a lot of people are talking about him, like, you know, being on the family feud, all dust, all dust team. And you guys were talking about Thielen and as far as his execution in the red zone. And what was the stat as far as A.J. Green? I'm sure one of you guys know it. Both He's got eight end zone targets and no touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> Are they going to stop throwing it to him or is he due? Like positive regression? Or is he dust? Or both? <laughs> I mean, the the past two weeks, at least, he does lead the Bengals in target share, which is pretty shocking since Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins have really come on ever since T. Higgins has really been featured as the person they have passed the torch to. But like I said, A.J. Green still leads the team in targets in that time, still leads the team in air yards in that time. But we talked about this earlier this year, uh, Dean, whenever Crane was hosting early on. It's like chasing A.J. Green air yards. I don't I mean, what's even the point? Because it's not even worth it with him. So the usage, of course, is comforting, but I still think I'd much rather double stack Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. I don't think. I know I'd much rather double stack Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins and just redact A.J. Green from my life altogether. Uh, Rebar, can you rank those three as far as your interest as Cincinnati receivers, Boyd, Higgins, and Green? Green is the cheapest for what it's worth on DK. 4.5K, so like cost per target. It's pretty cheap. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the Bengals is is they're getting so much volume inherently just from the offense that all these guys can get there like they did last week in these matchups that have these defenses that are kind of uh, – you know, one note going to give up a lot, going to give up production through the air. Cause I mean, Joe Burrow is averaging 48 dropbacks per game. I mean, he is on pace to have nearly 800 dropbacks on the year, like 760, uh, which is pretty bananas. Cause Jameis led the league last year, just at like 704. So um, there's a real good chance. I talked about it week one about him or it was week two, where I just kind of ran down the game, but I thought he was very set up very similar to rookie year, Andrew Luck in that regard. And he's just dropping back a ton per game and he doesn't have great efficiency stats. Last week was the first week Burrow kind of like really popped on the efficiency end in yards for attempting completion rate. But the fact that he's just dropping back so many times, I mean, efficiency isn't is mostly what we chase at quarterback position, but this is the kind of volume that actually matters. Uh, it's, I mean, you're talking almost 50 dropbacks per game. And I mean, that just lifts everybody up. I mean, guys like Tyler, Tyler Boyd has a game this year where he had, you know, seven targets in, in a game and it was like a 12% target share. Uh, like, which is pretty crazy to think about because that would be like a 30% share from Marquise Brown, uh, like <laughs> with seven targets. Uh, so all there's opportunity here for all these guys to get there. Um, I, I mean, the targets are there for A.J. Green, and they've actually found a role he's productive in the past few weeks where, you know, he's kind of just running these slants and comebacks and hitches and, you know, kind of being able to go that go that route. I think Boyd is the best of the three players, and then Higgins is the most intriguing because he gets the kind of targets we want. I mean, the guy's averaging almost 16 yards per catch. Like, he's your ceiling breaker. Uh, so, I mean, like, Boyd is like your cash game floor guy. Green is your value play, and then Higgins is your, uh, you know, go, th- go through the glass ceiling option. You kind of can cover the- your bases all around with Burrow. 
who's a good play as well. I mean, Burrow himself is a good play. Um, and you've got a lot of stacking options. I mean, the Titans are 25th in passing points allowed per game. Uh, Burrow is getting there. He's got five 300-yard passing games in his past six games. So you get bonus bubble because, again, the volume is just carrying the efficiency. Uh, it's walking the dog there. So, I mean, you've got a lot of opportunities here at this Bengals offense. The more I thought about all these games, this game is probably the one that is the most uh, intriguing and probably the most exciting, but it also has the, a lot of pieces to move move around the board. But uh, definitely this game, I think, is the one that's going to be there and could be the slate decider. Towards the end of every slate, I like looking up at the top of the leaderboards in tournaments that I'm in just to see where I got my process wrong. And uh, before the Cardinal-Seahawks game broke the entire slate, uh, I saw the a building first had Burrow, Higgins, and Boyd in order to get off of Bernard and then ran it back with Kareem Hunt. And that's such a good tournament build because it also lets you get off Gio Bernard, who we know most likely isn't going to bust a big touchdown run, um, but still has the high catch, high, high receiver game floor so I actually like that build again in this game Burrow's cheap enough to where you you can still stack these expensive players we're going to target um in other games and also he's likely going to be missing left tackle Jonah Williams center Trey Hopkins but being under pressure is what he does anyways um yes under five yards per attempt under pressure but even week six you look at it he was under pressure on 51 percent of his dropbacks the third highest rate of that week against the Colts but he still finishes the QB 13 overall because he gets that 300 yard bubble and then also he ran for a touchdown which he can do weekly as well so it's like there's so many outs despite the fact he's going to be under siege because he's getting blitzkrieg weekly and it may just not matter for his volume honestly you like the idea of running it back this week and just replacing Allen with uh derrick henry that is a good one i mean derrick henry in his own right is again that spot where he's either going to make or break you uh just like the Texans game not like last week where we said we were comfortably off of him this is the texans game spot again just because we know uh, the Titans still could build a lead, and the Bengals struggled to defend opposing running backs. Um, Jeremy Manickel's not an issue. Only got one touch last week against the Steelers, um, as Derrick Henry is still on the field a majority of the time on passing downs. And the, the difference this week is, though, is that Henry got the bump, unlike last week. Like, Henry is 9,500 on FanDuel. Uh, he needs that Texans game to get there. And even then, it seems a little short, whereas 8K on DK is much more palatable. So it seems like that's where I would be comfortable going is good old backdoor Joey and then uh, Higgins Boyd and running it back with Henry on DK. Whereas on FanDuel, I need to think about it because AJ Brown or even Corey Davis, I know is popping in a few models, uh, might be the might be the run back there. Yeah, I don't know why I said replace, replace Allen. I meant to say replace Keenan uh, Hunt. For some reason, I'm getting, my, I'm getting the names confused. It's but. week eight. It's fine. <laughs> We're going <laughs> gotta, strong. Got to shake off the rust, I suppose. And as far as uh, Fanduel prices, you mentioned it. Like, it, there's some hurricane prices there for sure, and <clears throat> maybe a correction because throughout the season it's been pretty. I don't want to call it bingo, but it's been pretty easy to make lineups on Fanduel. So mm-hmm. they they just universally raise the prices of a lot of guys. I'm not calling them hurricane prices just yet, but yeah, they're they're up a good bit. Maybe for good reason. They make it a little tighter as far as. Uh, getting the optimal builds there on Fandle. And, hey, it's on Wednesday. Who knows what's going to open up? We talked about the potential of Mixon not playing. Bernard got, what, 18 opportunities last, last week, which includes five catches. Just uh, like just like Jamal Williams, uh, this is not Travion's or Samaj Pirine's backfield. It's Gio Bernard's backfield. He is the bell cow there. What do you have for me, Rebar, as far as uh, Tannehill and his receivers' uh, thoughts there? 
I mean, go, circling back to Henry, the one difference this week, though, as opposed to the Texans week, is that he was like by far clearly away the best like running back play in terms of just where they were on a season long rank that week, too. Remember, there was no like Zeke on that slate, there was no Kamara on that slate. Mm-hmm. It was literally like he was the only guy to pay up for, whereas you can still play Kamara as a pivot this week. There were uh, Dalvin Cook if he plays, uh, there are uh, other top running backs available where that was kind of the one thing that was inching you towards Henry that that Texans week two is that there was really nowhere else to go spend it uh you know whereas this week we might want to play Devontae Adams you know there's there's a harder decision to make on Derrick Henry this week than there was that week when everyone kind of fought afterwards in hindsight about what happened but uh it's a lot harder this week I think the decision to, to go in all the way in or not because there are other pieces that you might want to pay up for the guys that can have big ceiling potential games um whereas they were kind of lacking in that that week under the microscope but uh yeah that, i mean listen ryan Tannehill has been excellent he's now played a full c16 game started for the titans um he's uh, scored fewer than 17 fantasy points uh just twice uh in those 16 games been real reliable we know he's offered a high ceiling offers a high floor can use his legs uh like burrow can uh and he's another guy that's just excellent when there's no pressure i mean so far this season he's averaging 8.6 yards per pass attempt uh, when not under pressure, and he just came off of the the high pressure Steelers game, who pressured on thirty percent of his dropbacks, um, and he's averaging just five point six yards per attempt under pressure. Now he's getting a Bengals team that is dead last in the NFL in pressure rate, and just traded the guy that is second all time in their franchise in sacks uh, to Seattle. So uh, pretty good spot here for Ryan Tannehill. I mean, obviously we'd like him more if he was at at home to make an argument here, but uh, it's a great spot for him. We've seen the Phillip Rivers and Baker Mayfield just have their highest scoring games of the season against this Bengals defense. Uh, two guys that hadn't even had a game higher than QB 20, you know, on the season. until they played uh, the Bengals. Uh, so Tannehill, I think is a great play. He's not really priced up to, I think, where his performance has been or where his ceiling lies. Um, and then he's really easy uh, to kind of pair up too, because, you know, it's really just AJ Brown at the top. And if you want to get cute, you can play Johnny Smith. Uh, for touchdown equity, although he has 40 yards or fewer uh, in three of his five full games played. Uh, he's more of a, just a chase, chase touchdown guy. I think Dean on your first show brought up like his touchdown, you know, waiting for that kind of to pop uh, his touchdown reliance. But AJ Brown has seven or more targets in every game this season. Last year as a rookie only had seven targets in back-to-back games just once. That was kind of the one thing we were all waiting on or questioning this season. Is there going to be volume for A.J. Brown if he can't sustain his efficiency? And he's getting the tangible volume. He's not getting 10 to 12 targets a game, but that's getting to seven plus eight targets because he would just go in funks last year where he just would have to house, house a slant like he did last week, and he doesn't have to do that now. Um, so the targets have been there. The Bengals have not allowed a 100-yard game to an opposing wide receiver one yet. I don't think that that's going to move you off of him uh, just because how good he's been. But uh, that that is, hasn't happened yet either. But he's really easy to pair with A.J. Brown. Uh, Corey Davis as well has actually out-targeted A.J. Brown 18-16 to 16 in the two games they played together this year. The issue is when you look down – well, first of all, we know Corey Davis is – NFL history and also when you look down at the box score and you see him join the Jeff Smith Hall of Fame for 10 targets for 36 yards it's not really that confidence in stealing um having said that I genuinely think this Titans offense is matchup proof 
And thus, that's why I don't know what I'll do with Derrick Henry just yet. But for me, it's an and or situation with Ryan Tannehill and a pass catching stack or Derrick Henry as leverage off of them, because I think everyone's going to go with such a good game environment, one or the other. Uh, The Titans, even last week, I know everyone looked down and think, oh, it's the Steelers defense. The Titans only afforded three plays in the first quarter and 22 snaps in the first half. It wasn't even about the Steelers defense. It was about the Steelers offense just taking up time of possession. So I still like the Titans offense in this game a lot. I just don't know exactly, like I said, which side I'm going to go, the running game or the passing just yet. Uh, John, who got a price uh, decrease at 4.1K on DK, makes it a little more reasonable. And yeah, we were talking about, hey, well, he's just scoring too many touchdowns. You consider all the targets or the, the little uh, targets he was getting. And the reference as far as targets, targets are important, but not all targets are created equal. Uh, and that's worth mentioning as far as Davis as well. They're they're using Jeff Swain too. And like a, fourth, <laughs> a third and fourth tight end sometimes doesn't matter. I understand that. But when jo- Jeff Swain is running three to four routes and Jonu Smith is like maxing out at 14 routes, that matters in this offense because Anthony Ferkser is still involved weekly as well. And so that's what's taking away from Jonu Smith's uh, uh, fl- uh, ceiling. But also, like we said, the touchdown bubble also broke. That doesn't help things. All right, uh, let's bring in our third game. Oh, do you want to mention before we move on, actually, I, I don't mind the correlation of, I do like the Cincinnati offense for sure, but uh, Burrow is, that line's not very good. They're potentially playing from behind. Uh, that, that's how you get, you know, defensive points, you know, sacks, uh, you know. Oh yeah, bubbles. Titans are good, great defensive play. I, I like that mm-hmm. correlation of, I, I want to play some Burrow, but I also want to play some Henry with the Titans is sort of my thought process there. I think both routes can kind of sort of get there. The last of our three games, we're going to feature Cleveland and Vegas. Uh, the total in this game currently is a 51 and a half Cleveland. I don't know, man. I, I was listening to uh, the OGs podcast with a uh, head chopper and uh, beer makers fan and uh, Noto notorious. And they were talking about this line is kind of wonky and uh, it sits moved from two and a half to three, but I sort of agree. Uh, I know home field's not exactly what it you know is traditionally because some of these teams don't even have any fans out there. There is some travel and things like that involved too, but just, I know we don't care about the Vegas perspective. Generally we're talking about DFS and fantasy, but, Dago, do you think that that number is right? Should Cleveland be a three-point favorite a little bit more? I know they lost Beckham, so there's a slight hit there to some degree, although some people out there are arguing this is going to make them a better offense, which is an interesting conversation. Uh, which is insane. You've heard people say that, right? I know. I Yeah, we're not going to say the companies. Listen, Ke- Kevin, Stefanski, <laughs> Kevin Stefanski didn't agree with it. He was yeah. just, yeah, I don't know, Beckham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that line right? Is three correct? I don't think so. Uh, I haven't bet it personally just yet, so take that with a grain of salt. But I don't think so. But I brought this game up because, like Rich said, Cincinnati and Tennessee is his favorite game. This is my favorite game on the entire board because there are so many cheap options. It reminds me of the Raiders-Chiefs game last year where they played on Mon- – no, uh, they played on what? Sunday night and Monday night, and then the next slate, then none of them were priced up. They didn't get the bump because they played late and thus they were all cheap options. So I think it was Hefe, El Hefe, who actually took down the millionaire that week because he just stacked six of the guys because they were priced wrong. That's kind of well, what they ended it's up sucking, actually. They actually ended up busting. <laughs> But but like he still won it all because they were so good. Um, and so I kind of I kind of think it reminds me pricing wise anyways of that situation. The issue is that Baker Mayfield is getting a lot of credit for a guy who's not been good this year. Uh, he last week was actually his first game to go over 16 fantasy points on the entire year, and it took him five touchdowns on 22 completions to get there. Even against the Bengals the first time around and Washington 
and Dallas. He scored 14 and 15 fantasy points. He scored 29 last week, of course. Um, and the thing is, he still went under pressure. He's still miserable. 4.1 yards yeah. per attempt, one touchdown to four picks this year. The good news is the Raiders, Raiders are still below league average in pressure rate and have a lower sack rate than the Bengals do, who they played last week. So there is still reason to believe in Baker Mayfield, but to get this over, uh, I think we need them to do their part. More importantly, Mayfield to do his part. And I have a little bit of faith, I guess. I'm more interested in the Raiders side, of course, but we can definitely start with the Browns talking. All right, Rebar, you start with uh, Baker Mayfield and kind of bleed out to his options, I suppose. We'll get to Hunt, who appears, at least as of on a Wednesday night, uh, under presumption. I, I assume that uh, – what's his name? So, uh, Chubbs is going to be uh, going to be out again this week, right? I don't know what I made him. Oh, he's not. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. not. He's, he's not. in the IRR, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, this is your last week to trade Kareem Hunt in seasonal leagues, uh, which you <laughs> should be doing, which you should be doing because he has not been uh, – you know, he's, he's kind of been better in an ancillary role, and he's another guy that just cannot sustain his touchdown production uh, that he's had so far, especially not when he starts to lose touches. So, I mean, I think that this is your cash-out opportunity on Kareem Hunt uh, this last week because they had him to buy next week. Uh, so, if you don't need him this week, I mean, might want to pedal him off. This might be the time to go get 100, 100 uh, pennies on the dollar. Uh, but Mayfield is uh, yeah. Go ahead. What's that? Oh, What's this that? is daily fantasy sports. All we care about is today and today only. Yeah. Today, that Kareem Hunt six point nine k asking price on DK. I mean, we know what the people on YouTube are thinking. They have one adjective to describe that. It's phenomenal. That's that's the adjective they're going to use for sure. Six point nine k. Talk to me as far as Hunt, and then talk about Baker as well. Well, Baker, I think is just pretty easy. I mean, Daigle hit it. He's he, in two games against the Bengals. He's averaged nine and a half yards per pass attempt and ten point six yards per pass attempt. And in every other game, he's averaged six point eight yards per pass attempt or lower. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think that has anything to do with Odell leaving the game last week. I think he just torched the Bengals. I will say this matchup is kind of just conducive to what the Browns want to do, though. The Raiders don't pressure the quarterback and they can't stop the run. What do the Browns want to do? They want to run the football and set up a bunch of bootlegs and play action. <laughs> Like they're probably gonna be able to do that uh, against this defense, you know, especially on the road, East coast, you know, early, early time, early kickoff, uh, all that, all that bag, uh, definitely all working in the Browns favor. Kareem Hunt's in a great spot. I mean, he's coming off 102 yards last week. It was his most yards since he's taken over as a starter um, in three games as a feature back. Uh, the Raiders are 29th in rushing points allowed to running backs. And they are 28th in receiving points allowed to running backs. So kind of pick your poison here. It's good all around for Cream Hunt, home favorite, checks all the boxes, getting uh, passing down work, getting goal line work. Every, every box that we check to want to play running back, he checks. Uh, so it's pretty easy to, to just put Cream Hunt in your lineups for one more week. Uh, these are the teams that are second and third, though, and their point totals are combined point totals allowed in their games. Uh, the Raiders games feature 61.3 combined points at second in the NFL and the Browns games feature 60.1 points, which is third in the NFL. So there's potential here. The Raiders side too is hyper-efficient, but I mean, the thing that scares me about this game from a DFS stance though, is like Daniel said though, it's the, it's the, there are too many cheap options Yeah, and you got to get them right. And that's the thing is there, who are we really going to latch onto? Is it Harrison Bryan? Is it Jarvis Landry? Is it Rashard Higgins? I mean, is it Nelson Aguilar? Like, <laughs> there are just too many cheap guys, and like, there's going to be the and getting the combination right here is very hard, I think, uh, to get. I mean, it's because Harrison Bryant only ran 17 pass routes last week. Yeah, he crushed. I mean, he had the two touchdowns. Um, you know, was involved a little more than David Njoku, but 17 pass routes is that's what you're getting. Uh, you know, that's kind of what you're sitting on, and again, like a in like a back and forth bonanza. 
so, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Jarvis Landry had a season high 21% target share. It was six targets. I mean, it's crazy, man. It's a, and Rashard Higgins caught all six. Rashard Higgins is probably the guy people want to know the most about, you know, yeah. hyperproductive college player, uh, caught 240 passes in college, that Colorado State system that just pumped three straight guys out in a row of Boku numbers, him, Gallup, and Preston Williams. Um, and, you know, he was a, a kind of a taste du jour last year coming into the season because in 2018, he was just so efficient with Baker Mayfield. He caught 74% of his targets for almost 15 yards per catch too as well. It wasn't like he was just like this dink and dunk guy. So everyone was in on him kind of breaking out. They make the trade for Odell, uh, kind of throw some like cold water on it. And then he just gets buried on the depth chart and is out of favor with the coaching staff the rest of the year. And that's where he started this year being out of favor with the coaching staff. Kadero Hodge is playing over him. And then the you know, last three weeks he started to play, caught a touchdown the previous two games. And then this week kind of got his – runway to get more targets and he's just been efficient again with Baker so a lot of people will be looking I think to play him and run him back as well um, in that game especially if they're going Raider side first uh, bringing Higgins back is a cheap option but uh, it's very tricky this game because like I said it's almost where there's too many you're reaching in the candy jar and just wondering what you're gonna get yeah trying to figure out the uh, the trifecta box or the exacta box or which is what's what's gonna hit here uh, you know, you're going to box rugs with uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones or something like that. Like, I don't know who it's going to be. And I guess Higgins will be kind of sort of the chalky one. Landry feels like the safest of the options. Uh, what do you have for day go as far as uh, when you factor in price? Landry, Higgins, uh, are we going to go back to the tight ends? Obviously, Bryant, uh, you know, there was an outlier there. He scored those two touchdowns. And he only ran those 14 routes. I think he was in the field for like 70% of the time. I guess he was blocking a good bit as well, too, obviously. Uh, they do runs, uh, you know, Njoku was on there, what, 50, 60%? Don't quote me on that, but he was playing ahead of him for what it's worth. That's what I saw uh, according to the stats I was digging into today. Uh, what do you have for you, Dago, as far as uh, who's popping for you, who you most excited to play? Because Landry traditionally is just not a guy I'm enthused. I don't get excited about it, but the math probably says it makes sense, but whatever. Oh, it, it wouldn't be Landry for me. It'd be Higgins for yeah. sure. Uh, I don't think Landry un- at this stage of his career – under Kevin Stefanski, even has a 100-yard touchdown ceiling game in him. I could be wrong, but I, that's why I'm chasing Rashard Higgins, who has 11 targets, 150 yards, two touchdowns since week five. Um, and like Reeb said, this is this started two years ago. Go back to preseason week three last year, and he led the team with seven targets from rapport, because of his rapport with Baker Mayfield. Now, what happened was he got injured in the first, in the first half of week one, and then he got put into – Freddie Kitchens doghouse and so he did not come out of it the good news is Freddie Kitchens now has Evan Ingram in his doghouse as a tight ends coach in New York we don't have to worry about Freddie Kitchens anymore um Higgins also what I like about him a lot is that the last three weeks he's played 81 snaps out wide and 36 from the slot which tells me he'll still be on the field even when they continue running 12 personnel which way which they have done at the third highest rate this year Donovan Peoples-Jones was only on the field not only because Beckham got injured, of course, but because Cadero Hodge, who returned to practice Wednesday, has been out the past three to four games. Hodge was being used, like Rich said, over uh, Higgins to this point. So if Hodge comes back, I would expect him to mix in with Peoples-Jones, the third wide receiver. I think Higgins sticks the team's number two behind Jarvis Landry. So that's the option I would chase. The routes 17 to 13 from Harrison Bryant to Njoku are close enough to where I think Darren Waller is the best play overall from a price and game theory standpoint on this entire slate. Because not only does he lead the Raiders in all those fat and happy categories we like for our tight ends, 27% target share, eight red zone targets, four end zone targets. 
His five and a half average depth of target is also shallow enough to where win most likely would not matter if it ever strikes up Sunday, because I know people are worried about that in this game as well. And the best of all for this entire slate is that rostering Darren Waller is leverage off of paying down for Harrison, Bryant, and David and Joku, what everyone else is going to do while still having exposure towards this game. So that's kind of where I'm thinking for tight ends and the Browns wide receivers personally. I should tell the people, uh, do not do what I did. I was a total donkey last yep. week. And, uh, you know, oh. I, I, so I handcraft my lineups. So not somebody that uses lineup HQ and pumps out a hundred lineups. I made, I think 18 or so or something like that on DK made them by hand. Uh, you know, th- th- you know, well, like a man, th- that's the way you're supposed to make your lineups. I suppose. <laughs> I build too. I hand build. <laughs> and, uh, th- one of the potential, uh, gaps that you can fall into is you see H Bryant is 2.5 K on DK. And I'm like, Oh, H Bryant, here we go. I ended up like 30% of them. I won a 35% of them. I ended up having 5% of a person named Harrison Bryant who plays for a completely different team and it was on IR. And I had no outs. He wasn't even like on the field. <laughs> I'm like, I was going through my lineups. I, I was like, who is Her- who's Hunter Bryant? Yeah, who Hunter is this Bryant. person? I didn't know who that was. And yeah, uh, so that's kind of a victory lap. But like I had 30% Harrison Bryant. And also like, look how dumb I am. I rostered Hunter Bryant. But uh, yeah. you still you still cast with that lineup too though, right? I'm not sure. I, I, you know, I'll be honest. I'm not sure. I okay. mean, the scoring was, it was a, a 180 or something like that. So that was probably okay. on the fringe potentially, but yeah, uh, that was not your best moment. Uh, <laughs> my best moment of the week, of course, but uh, learn from my mistake, people make sure if you're going to roster Bryant, it's a uh, hunter. No, it's not Hunter Bryant. Har- it is not hunter place for the lions. Harrison <laughs> Mackey award winner also voted best rookie by coaches in preseason Harrison Bryant. Yeah, I was grinding the tape on Saturday. I was digging. I was watching his YouTube reel at FAU or FIU, one of the four schools. You sure, you were watching Hunter Bryant highlight. I was not. Okay, <laughs> maybe Check subconsciously it, it might have went to him afterwards. I'm not really sure, but uh, so g- give me this. Uh, I know it's hard to do, especially if you're down on a Wednesday. Uh, Rebar, your, your favorite like flex option for e- for both teams in this game, and I don't mean to talk about Jacobs. We got to talk about Jacobs as well, but. Your favorite flex that could be a tight end, a receiver, a running back, or, or just receive. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure. Why not? Any, anything that's not a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I would probably still lean to just a blank slate. Harrison Bryant. I played a ton of Harrison Bryant last week. I actually played him in both my cash lineups too. I uh, got super lucky. I just basically was punting and hoping to see what I got, but so that worked out. Um, and then probably, you know, on the Raiders side, it's got to be Aguilar. Uh, which is terrible. It makes yeah. me feel <laughs> awful on the inside. Because I'm with Daigle. I think Waller is a great play. I mean, he's been – the thing about Waller is, like, you know, he had – last year he had Bob Wood syndrome where, like, he was getting all these catches and yards, and then they would get to the paint and just say – and forget about him. And then this year he already has five end zone targets, and he had six all of last year. Uh, so he's starting to get those. That's where you're starting to see these upside. Now he has them. He's been a top five scorer in four of his past five games. He would regularly be like the tight end seven, the tight end eight, because he'd get these catches and yards and then not get a touchdown. And now he's getting the touchdowns and we were very happy about that. So, I mean, he is a guy too. I think he's just a great play. I mean, the Browns have been one of these teams that notoriously struggled with tight ends and they don't have great linebackers or safety play. Um, Nelson Aguilar though, it's just like, he is operating as their lead wide receiver. Brian Edwards did practice today, but Gruden said he's not going to play. Uh, so it is coming to probably where this is just like a short-term thing. Maybe, I mean, potentially, I don't know, maybe they'll start using Henry Ruggs too. We'll see. I know some people are gravitating to Henry Ruggs this week too, but uh, you know, he hasn't had more than, uh, hasn't caught more than three passes in any game yet this season. Hasn't had more than three targets in a game since week one. You're really just 
blind swinging and hopefully you connect on one of these big plays with Ruggs. Get him some screens, man. Just get him loose. Get him a couple blocks and let he, him go. He had that one catch for four yards on third and four this past week, and he <laughs> turned it upfield for 33 yards. It's like, why don't you do that more often? That was the only time they gave it to him that shallow as well outside of the one end around, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, he's great with the ball in motion. You know, he wasn't used as a, just a deep threat in Alabama. He actually wasn't their deep threat last year at all. Uh, you know, he was, I think he was third on the team in targets over 20 yards downfield last year at Alabama. He's great when you give him the ball in motion, like slants or digs and stuff like that. Like, that's where he's good. Give him the ball where he's already moving, and then he's just hard to stop. And the Raiders just haven't really figured out what they want to do with him yet. But Aguilar has been playing awesome and occupying as their number one wide receiver. He's run a pass route on 140 of 159 team dropbacks the past four games uh he had another 100 yards and a touchdown last week he's averaging almost 20 yards per catch uh it's gross man i don't i don't want to say it but it's here and you look at the browns like they haven't stopped anybody they haven't stopped any wide receivers at all uh even ty hilton had a modest game against them <laughs> you know it was a great hilton. game but for ty hilton it was a ceiling <laughs> game <laughs> oh, it's so um, sad. That yeah and and you know, kind of getting overlooked is that Derek Carr's been really good this year. Yeah, yeah. He's got he's got career highs and yards for pass attempt, passing yards for game, and touchdown rate. He's had 19 or more fantasy points in four of his past five games. He's just Derek Carr, man. We know the story. Like it's, but he's even against the Bucks, he hit last week. Uh, he's just been playing really good football. He actually has had three bad matchups and hits. He hit against the Chiefs. Uh, who have really shut everyone else down. And then uh, there's one other game I'm missing in there that he uh, that he hit that he really probably shouldn't have hit and, and was really good in. Um, I don't know if it was New England or maybe it was. It was, it was, it was New England. He had 260 and two TDs. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was like his worst game. I think he had like 15 points that game. Otherwise, he's been at least 19 points in four of the last five. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's been playing well, and the Browns are just a defense that we're going to have to start attacking on the back end because they're good against the run. They're, they stop the run, and they don't stop the pass at all. They don't – I mean, so, like, they're going to be a team that we have to look for for these shootouts and these potentials when teams can, uh, you know, try to play in these high-scoring games like we saw at the Bengals. So, when the Browns play the teams like Washington and it's able – they're able to just, like, muck it up and just be, like, a team can't punch back, they're going to be those, like, boring Browns. But, like, teams that can throw the football successfully – and the Raiders have thrown the ball successfully all season. Mm-hmm. It's not like we have to force this year. Uh, that's when these Brown, the Browns can get in these shootouts. They get involved in these shootouts because they can't stop anyone through the air. And the only other game Carr really didn't hit was week one, but that's because, and maybe it happens this game, uh, people are going to have to make that decision, of course, because Josh Jacobs fell in for three touchdowns and took away Carr's touchdowns inside the 10-yard line. And again, maybe Jacobs gets the touchdown equity here, and that would mean you have to play him and not play Carr in the passing game, but I will definitely be leaning Carr in the passing game, like Carr, Aguilar, and Waller, and bringing it back with Higgins, or just bringing him back with Hunt overall, another unique way to get Hunt in your lineup, um, and probably passing on Jacobs altogether, because just like week one, uh, this, is a, this, is a, this is a terrible matchup, and if he scores a lot of touchdowns, well, screw me. So I'm looking at the chat, a couple things. Uh, we got Swaggy P, Nick Young in the chat. What up, Nick Young? Uh, feel free to like and subscribe. Uh, he's saying Aguilar is a lock, like I've been saying. And I just hate the idea of like going to a slate, the idea that Aguilar is a lock. I just, <laughs> like, I'm not saying it's a bad play, but just like that, I can't. It's hard to shake first impressions and second impressions. And that's kind of like the same deal with Carr. Like the first, the stench of his first impression, his second impression. If you cover, it's one of those deals if you cover the names. It's like, oh, this guy's been good. Oh, it's David Carr. Oh, no. Now what do I do? 
And the Ruggs thing, like, you know, certain coaches are confirmed liars. Like Sean McVay, confirmed liar. He's out of the circle of trust. Gruden was talking about getting Ruggs some more looks. Like, I guess he's got to get more than three or five or whatever it's been. So, uh, so I think he's the only one way upside. to go. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think he's a little bit more believable than a guy like McVay. Um, so I, I'm interested in tournaments or rugs, but obviously the floor is, is pretty low on that. Uh, anything else? Should, let's just touch on Jacobs. Like we should acknowledge his existence in this game. Who's got a Jacobs take? Uh, I mean, that, what <laughs> I just it. said was my take, honestly. It's, it's like if you don't play the Raiders passing game at all or Derek Carr, again, which I really like. Uh, maybe you play Jacobs just to get the touchdowns because they're still a good team. Like they have limitations and flaws like a lot of other teams, but they were hanging with the Bucks into the fourth quarter. And then they just got outscored um, three touchdowns on the Bucks last 20 plays, which helped them get on a 21-0 run. But the Raiders were only trailing by four points in the fourth quarter. They were right there. They're, they're, they're honestly, they've been a good team. Like Reed just said, Carr has been good this year. All right, Rebar, I'm going to throw some running backs at you or just kind of a, anybody that kind of sticks out to you, you want to kind of elaborate on. Uh, it is revenge week for some of these running backs. Carlos Hyde revenge game. Uh, assuming he plays, he's dinged as of Wednesday, but they, uh, there was a note where I said it wasn't that big of a deal. Or I didn't say it. That's what I saw that Carol said. Uh, Melvin Gordon, if you think he's still got some legs left in him. And of course, the Le'Veon Bell game. Is this, Rebar, this is the one you could create your own narrative here. Uh, I don't know why he'd be, well, I mean, you can say why he's angry, why he's not angry. The Jets, of course, are not pleased with him either. Uh, they did let him go, and then they, he should be happy. Yeah, they're he setting him up for a great. potential championship. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, twenty point game in theory, KC can score however they want. Uh, he can be mopping up as well, and I don't know what we can get from last week because that was such a blowout as well too. And I don't think they ran a ton of snaps just because they scored two defensive touchdowns. I feel, I feel like they didn't have the ball a lot, or at least there wasn't a lot of times they had any urgency because they were ahead and they scored via the defense a couple times. What did you read into as far as the distribution uh, for Bell and Ceh, if anything? And do you think Bell is kind of, sort of, somewhat interesting as a tournament play uh, this week? Probably not going to play him because I'm too pragmatic to get there. Uh, <laughs> it's just, I understand, it's just too much spin for me to get there because you got the huge, like, huge favorite, which is the largest favorite uh, <laughs> points the Chiefs have ever given in their franchise history. It's the largest they've been a favorite <laughs> in a game. Um, and you, so you've got this and you've got the X team factor. I feel like there's just too many pulling parts for a part-time player. Like, it's still a part-time player, like, at best. You might get second, seven touches. His, his second game with the team. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's – I mean, I can tell myself a story where <laughs> they get this guy touches throughout and they get him acclimated to the offense. Sure, I can definitely do that. But I'm someone that goes tighter. I'm probably – you know, I, I keep, typically play six or fewer running backs in my, in my core. And I just don't think he's – I can't take put a part-time player in there. It's just – it's, you know, if he hits, so be it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a part-time player. Um, it's, it's one of these things where I've always thought like in nothing last week swayed me is that I've always thought he was just going to be an extension of what Daryl Williams was. Um, and it was, that meant more negative things for Clyde Edwards player in terms of, you know, will he be get goal line carries? Will he get 19 touches instead of, and then go back to like 15 touches. And that's kind of what we started to see just in the split last week. Uh, don't know how large Le'Veon's role can grow, but I mean, I'm just not going to, from a DFS stance, I can see maybe your season long stance in your bind. You want to take a shot on a flex for DFS stance. It's just, it feels like such a hail Mary when I've got all these running backs yeah. that I can put in my core that are just getting the ball. Uh, and especially if we have two cheap guys like Gio Bernard and Jamal Williams. And again, 
Because that's the, the other thing you can sell yourself on Le'Veon is like, well, he's four or five and he's cheap. But like, if I got Gio and I've got Jamal Williams, like I can, I'm not losing, conceding a lot of ground here salary wise. Uh, so it's just too hard for me to, uh, I'm just too pragmatic. And that probably makes me a donkey in a sense, but uh, hey, I'm not probably going to play any Le'Veon Bell. It's an extreme, uh, extreme uh, you know, a large field contest. Uh, obviously not for your cash games. Jump in here, Daigle. It's, I was going to say, it's definitely a Millie Maker lineup decision. Um, but my Millie Maker lineup every week whenever I play is completely different. It's so just like throwing shit at the wall. I'm sorry, I shouldn't. Uh, throwing stuff at the wall. Um, oh, so, yeah. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes it gets a little too friendly on this show. Terrible no, person. In the, in the swear jar. <laughs> uh, never would have happened with Crane. Who is it? Yeah, never would have <laughs> broke the streak, unfortunately. Um other running backs said that do something for you. I mentioned Kamara just kind of in passing. And of yeah. course, uh, assuming Thomas is out, the usage is going to be incredible. Uh, I know I've seen season long, long guys pump this out there. Like he's been like the number wide receiver. Like maybe he would be wide receiver 11 or 10 if he was just a wide receiver. Obviously, he's a running back too. Uh, he was perfectly fine last week and he didn't even score. Again, I want him in the dome. He's, uh, you know, but he's facing Chicago, the matchup, whatever, uh, just volume and talent. And sure, uh, he's perfectly fine. I don't know what to do with Kamara. I assume he's a cash game staple if you can make it work, you know, with the normal salary cap under the assumption that Thomas is out. Uh, I assume we're both in on Kamara. We think he's perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean, go back to last year when these teams played. I mean, they played in Chicago with Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints offensive game plan was driven around Latavius Murray and using their offensive line to be the factor because the bears pass defense, even it's not just the this year thing. Like the bears, ha- the bears have on more than two touchdown passes now in 33 straight games. Uh, like they just don't give up a lot of big passing stats. And, but the saints came in and their plan was to run on the bears. And they did, they ran all over them with Latavius Murray. Uh, they get and this year. They give up big runs. Like they, they're good. Like kind of a Jekyll and Hyde run defense where they limit, uh, you know, they limit overall stance of like yardage, uh, like successful runs. They're good from a success rate stance. But when they give up runs, they're huge runs. And we saw that again with the Rams in that game too on Monday night. Uh, so, I mean, they're eight, they end up their 18th in rushing points allowed the backfields. Uh, I don't see any reason to come off of Kamara until we have a reason uh, because especially if Thomas is going to play and Marcus Callaway uh, is dealing with an ankle injury, he didn't practice today. Uh, so, I mean, it's just really easy to say like this guy is going to be the offense again and, I mean, I'm, I, don't, I don't see any reason to stop playing Alvin Kamara. I also like uh, Jonathan Taylor a whole lot. Remember, in those two games before Indy's bye, um, he set season highs in backfield touch rate, 70% and then 73% in back-to-back games. The game before the bye, he had 12 of the team's 13 carries. And it's just a great matchup against the Lions, who are allowing the fourth most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. So I think this is finally, hopefully, we've said this a lot, the week that Jonathan Taylor uh, is explodes, poised to explode. I also... Also, like to your point, Dean, I like Melvin Gordon. We have to watch the tea leaves for Philip Lindsay since he's currently in the league's concussion protocol. But Gordon handled 58 of 70 running back touches in those three games earlier that Lindsay missed. And this is actually quite a fast-paced game from Pat Thorman's snaps article that established the run our chargers have operated the league's fifth fastest pace since week three with justin herbert under center so of course um we would probably need denver to answer but if that's the case it would be gordon and forgetting all their pass catchers as drew lock continues to throw balls into orbit and hoping they fall down in the right (laughs) hands 
Is there still a chance that we can see a suspension for Gordon? Is that possible? I guess we would know, obviously, in time. But I don't know what to think of 2020 anymore. I thought I had it figured out last week, and I don't know what to do with the league anymore. Here's a harder question always, for you. They always drag their feet on this stuff until the, yeah. until he runs through, I think, the legal gambit. They won't do anything. Okay. Like, until, like, right? And, like, until all that's, like, settled? I don't know. Uh, they always seem to – these things always need to pop up. Like, we'll, he'll watch. He'll be, like, suspended the first two games of next season. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Antonio Brown, like Antonio Brown, still dealing with legal, legal issues, and everyone's saying he's going to be back week nine. It's like I don't, I don't know what to think anymore. I give up. I can't believe Antonio Brown and Des Bryant and like Leonard Fournette. These guys are still players in the NFL in 2020. It's so weird to me. Uh, San Francisco running back situation. Uh, you know, Moster and uh, Wilson are presumed to be out. Coleman expected to be back. Is Hasty a thing? What happened to McKinnon last week? Do we care with any of this right now, or just if it, if something pops up, stay tuned? But it's Wednesday, and it's not worth digging into. I think that's where we're at on that. Is that reasonable? <laughs> well, yeah, that's fine. I think that game is interesting. We didn't talk about that game, but the one interesting element of that game is that there's a clear path to just roasting Seattle, and it's not what the 49ers do. So it's yep. curious to see yeah. what the 49 how like because the 49ers don't care. Like they they don't care if you're good against them or not. Like they're gonna come out and run their system, but like. Seattle like is just to, to beat them has literally been wide receiver play like they're good they've been solid against the run uh, and but the 49ers use their wide receivers fewer than any team in the NFL so it's gonna be really interesting to see how that game and they lost out. their best one or one of the best ones with Debo <laughs> Samuel so now it's like Ayuk or Bourne and and again we, there's a lot of noise in this but the, their best player best receiving guy and we're getting is, off the yeah. hole is Kittle <laughs> in Seattle the one thing they do well defensively now that it's noisy because you look at the teams they played against they haven't really played any good tight ends but they've been what second best I think as far as shutting down tight ends from a DK points perspective but they're they're yielding more than 12 fantasy points collectively to wide receivers than the, the second worst team. We talked about that last week and spoiler alert, that stat did not change after Arizona. Um, is there anything else that's worth kind of throwing out there? And Hyde, is Hyde interesting if he gives it a go or is it going to be a split with Homer? And Is DJ Dallas I mean, a person? It's just that whole game. Uh, so first of all, we have to wait till Friday for Seattle to see because Chris Carson's a game time decision. Carlos Hyde, we don't know just yet, even though he sounds healthier than everyone else. And Travis Homer is also banged up. So Friday's injury report will likely tell us everything we need to know. Uh, DJ Dallas, everyone, of course, is going to play him, and you should play him no matter what if he's the only healthy running back on the team. That's fine. Yeah. But we have to wait for it. But overall, like that, that game in general, it's a 54-and-a-half total, I believe. Um, I've already bet the Seahawks earlier this week because it's a bad number. Like Seahawks are just a better team, and they attack the 49ers at their weakest point. So I, I think Russell Wilson should be in your quarterback pool. I know it's a hot take, but go figure. Um, <laughs> Garopp- Garoppolo, of course, the only thing is, like Rich said, doesn't throw to receivers, and that's where you want to attack them. So it's going to be interesting. So, yeah, that's just an interesting game overall. But either way, we're on Seattle's offense pending what happens on Friday for their backfield. That's a good segue to quarterbacks because my bad, Devin, who's producing the show, much appreciated. Devin, go ahead and drop that link for the people. I'm a, I'm a working professional. <laughs> <laughs> I goofed. Um, yeah, we're going to we're gonna hop back to quarterbacks for a second. Drop the link. Get yourself five dollars off RG Premium, uh, the core four. Go ahead and check that out if you guys are interested. Um, yeah, so Jimmy G is popping up, and I run the optimals on Wednesday night, and, of course, I understand the optimals on Wednesday night. Could be absolutely nothing when uh, as as the week progresses with injuries and things of that sort. But he's uh, in thirty percent of Fanduel optimals right now, Jimmy G, and forty nine percent of DK optimals as far as what I ran and I kind of tinker with some things as well. Um, I don't know if I want to trust Jimmy G. He is super cheap. DK is five point four k, and we won't know till the end of the week how much we need that salary if it's a 
you know, if it's a really tight cap, if it's a loose cap, uh, Lamar Jackson is pretty cheap. He's like the fourth most expensive quarterback on, a, on a, an 11 game slate. I understand the matchup isn't for steam, but I don't, against anybody, he's got the upside. And we've seen so many games this year where he's just, you know, kind of chilled in the fourth quarter because they're ahead or behind. They haven't really played any close games to my recollection. If he goes full, uh, full, full throttle for four quarters, I don't care who he's playing against. I love him for the upside. He's pretty cheap on DK considering who he is. Uh, Garoppolo, uh, uh, what do you have for me, Daigle, as far as Jimmy G and then other quarterbacks that are popping for you? I mean, to be fair, I really don't have much. Um, pretty much what I said is that I, I, tr- I trust the offense. I trust the situation. The thing for me is that Derek Carr is only 100 more, and so that's <laughs> where I immediately go to over Jimmy G. At least Carr has been consistent, like we talked about. So I'd rather trust that. Um, yeah, even though the game environment is for Seattle and the 49ers is good. That's where I'm at right now. Uh, other, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Other than that, I'll, well, I'll let Rich, uh, Rich. I know you have discussed earlier today because I tuned into your show. I snuck in and yeah. talked about uh, Lamar Jackson. So, if you would like to talk oh. about Rossberger or Lamar Jackson, I am here to listen. I don't. I don't remember which show that was on, but uh... it all runs together now. <laughs> it's all the same. Um, show. Yeah, I just think when you look at Lamar Jackson, um, it's not going to be me this week. And I understand the argument, like Dean said, you can always get there and tell yourself that story. Um, but Lamar Jackson has been awful against the Blitz. He's completed just 57% of his passes against the Blitz for 5.4 mm-hmm. yards per attempt, uh, facing a team that is number one in the NFL in Blitz rate. Uh, they're second, actually, to their own team, the Ravens. Uh, and then when you go back to last year when, when he was unbeatable, the Steelers dug him out. And they, the Steelers almost beat them with Duck Hot, Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges coming in <laughs> for that game. That was the game where Rudolph got like that weird concussion. Like he just got crushed and then like kind of stayed in the game for a play. Uh, and then Marlon Humphrey punched the ball out. I think it was an overtime on uh, Juju. And then the Ravens went and won the game. But in that game, the Steelers were just, Lamar Jackson was doing nothing. He did it at 70 rushing yards, but threw for 160 yards, three interceptions, had just one touchdown. Um, He's the Steelers are kind of defense that are a problem for Lamar Jackson. Cause you're talking about Lamar Jackson's a quarterback that still like anticipatory throws are not his, that's not a strength for him right now. And you're talking about bringing major pressure all the time. And that could lead to some big runs and breakouts. You escape pressure and he makes something happen with his legs. That absolutely is in the cards as well. But from a passing stance, this is, I think this is a tough spot for like for, for his passing acumen where it is uh i think it's a tough it's a tough defense to sell myself that he has a lot of passing upside here um one of these games where he can get you the both that's when lamar jackson pops when it's, it's the duality games because we've seen it even like a couple weeks ago you know when he has these games where he gets the two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown sure he's good and you got there but it's not like last year when you're getting the four passing touchdowns and then 70 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown and then you can't come back from it because he's got 35 points his good games haven't been as high because the passing hasn't been there and i don't think this is a game where the passing pops for him yeah i mean i like him coming off the bye and i'm also talking about from a torn perspective as well too just because it feels like he's got the greatest variance as far as you could put up a 12 spot or you put up a 40 spot and neither would surprise us you know so uh, i like his upside and he's got ready-made pairings as well too you know with hollywood and uh and andrews that's basically where it's going to go and I think you guys can tell me. I think I think he's due for some positive regression as far as his deep ball. So, I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily going to see it against Pittsburgh, but, you know, uh, I'm willing to take that chance, especially at a discounted price. This is the cheapest I believe he's been all season long on DK. Yeah. By, it's just uh, funny because the other weeks that no one, that people didn't want to play him, they were in, like, way better spots. Like, remember, no one wanted to play him against Washington. Like, he wasn't even owned that week. 
And, well, I've been uh, playing him every week, so that's the that's yeah. What no, I did too in the Eagles game. He because he came off the, the Eagle. He played the Eagles and was coming off another bad game, and then his ownership was still it was like so low. And it's like, yeah, of course I'm gonna play him. But this is the one week when you think when you look at it, it's just like, well, I think it's a lot harder to get there this week, uh, especially when I say like I I'm someone that just keeps a tighter pool of players, anyways. Uh, so like he's probably not gonna make my cut. Uh, but the only other guy I'll touch on is like. Until like he gives us a reason to, why wouldn't we keep playing Justin Herbert? Like, yeah, uh, he's awesome. I mean, it, especially if he's gonna just his price is gonna get to like it's just gonna slowly matriculate. I will say that you know the last three games they have like the other teams have answered like they kind of hit on. We do need Denver to do something here. You know, the last three games he played the Bucks, the Saints, and the Jaguars. Even the Jaguars are surprisingly game uh, because they got some fluky kind of variance plays. You know, the block punt uh, for a touchdown. Uh, kind of kept it tighter and kept the you know Herbert pushing the ball downfield, but I mean he's got to give us a reason to kind of go away from him, right? At this point, like until he gets like priced to a point where we can't. And then Keenan Allen, for some reason, the guy has a, a 95% team target share since Herbert took over. He's the wide receiver 15 on DK. In I don't get that one. Yeah, he's. I think he's the first guy you put in your cash game. What yeah. are we doing? Oh, yeah. What are we doing over there? <laughs> Like he's, he's like cheaper than both Rams wide receivers. Uh, like it's, it's like, what, what is going on? What are we doing this week? <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. Uh, Tua, my, people might be excited about that, but I think it's not, a, it's just not a soft landing spot. I'm interested. I want to see what he does, but uh, I, I think it's just for me, just win another week. Uh, I'll kind of check in. It seems like a terrible matchup. The Rams have not yielded a lot of passing yards all season long. Um, and I don't really like his options anyway. Um, I, I like the Rams defense. If I'm going to pick one side of that. Yep. Um, Anybody else as far as quarterbacks you want to hit on here, Daigle, or shall we talk about some receivers? No, we can get on to receiver. Um, and everyone's going to – we don't. We just said Keenan Allen. Everyone's going to roster him. No big deal. I kind of like Demarcus Robinson. The Chiefs are kind of interesting because just like a couple weeks ago, uh, it's going to depend – like everyone thinks they're going to – like the Raiders game, for instance. Everyone – the winning tournament stack was the Chiefs stack – because everyone thought they would run over the Raiders and that's not what happened that they're going to run. They're most likely will run over the Jets. Don't get me wrong. The Jets probably cannot compete at all, but if the Jets even like hang around a little bit or the chiefs keep their foot on the gas, then there's reason for these receivers to hit. And Demarcus Robinson has been the guy. It has not been Michael Hardman as much as I want it to be <laughs> as much as I draft Michael Hardman this offseason in best ball. It has been Demarcus Robinson two weeks ago. He ran a route on every single drop back. He ran more routes than Tyreek Hill. And this past week, he was just taken off. The, he ran 80% of the route steal, but he was taken off the field with Mahomes, with Tyreek Hill as a starter. And then they just put in Byron Pringle and let him go at it. So I think Demarcus Robinson's going to be on the field for pretty much every snap unless they bench their starters again. So he's kind of a sneaky, cheapy if you're playing those deeper tournaments. And then do I have any others? Uh, Rich, I'll let you take it. Oh, um, and then maybe if you play Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, I think Chase Claypool is still one of the safer wide receivers because the Titans treated him as the number one wide on that team. It's not like the Steelers were trying to get, they were trying to get the ball to Juju and Deontay. Deontay, who has a 30% target share in every game he's been healthy for this year, by the way. But what happened is that- one game? Two games, I guess two games. Three games, Uh, three games, three games. He left one, but he still got a 30% target share. Um, But no, uh, they put Malcolm Butler on Chase Claypool and then bracketed him with a safety. I don't care that- Butler shadow him at all I care that the Titans viewed uh Chase Claypool as the number one wide receiver there uh Marlon Humphrey got banged up in practice Wednesday so we'll have to watch that but I think Chase Claypool still has a really a, a, a good ceiling to chase perhaps at lower ownership 
Yeah, my concern there is just there's so many targets in that Pittsburgh side, and I feel like it's going to be a bit of whack-a-mole, but I love the talent. And, you know, Johnson, he, he was he left last game in the fourth quarter, I think, with a toe. He didn't practice today. It's Wednesday. Who cares? I think he'll be fine. But if it's not Johnson, it's Claypool. If it's not Claypool, it's, uh, you know, Juju. Washington is still lurking. Ebron's lurking. Connor gets all the, back, the ball to the backfield. And it's also the Ravens. So, like, I don't know. I, it should be a fun game to watch, but I – that, that seems like a tough uh, a tough thing to peg as far as who's going to be the guy in Pittsburgh, but I get it, you know, from a tournament perspective. Uh, you, you have a thought, Rich, as far as those Pittsburgh receivers, all receivers you want to throw out there? Well, yeah, I think it's just going to oscillate, you know, game to game and see, how, you know, whether game plan and game feel goes. Because you say, like, last week, well, they, they take the Titans made a concerted effort to get Chase Claypool out of the game. Well, the Steelers just said, okay, well, <laughs> we're going to throw the ball to these other guys. And there was no worries. I mean, Juju had the most air yards he had in any game, 14 targets. He had 14 targets the previous three weeks combined, uh, you know, and then got his and got his looks there. Um, I think it's going to change. Deontay Johnson is frustrating for me as, like, just an analyst type of player <laughs> just because this guy's getting all these targets and, like, they're not, like – his, he's got a crummy catch rate. He's averaging a crummy yards per target, and he's a crummy yards per catch, but he gets all these targets. Uh, there's, like, no reason for all these targets to keep going to him, but they keep going to him. Is he, he the Steelers he, one? If you had to say, he's, he's, who's the Steelers one? Is it Deontay? <laughs> they, you had to they, put a label. Rossberger loves him, man. They love him there. Uh, and then Ross, the Steelers' offense just changes the whole. Like, Rossberger's getting the ball out at one of the league's fastest rates, and he's not throwing downfield at all. So, like, they're trying to keep his knees healthy and his shoulder healthy, basically. So it's become a, a quick passing scheme, and Deontay's running those slants and shallow crossers because he that's his talent. Like, he was a elite kick returner in college, and that's what he does best after the catch. So uh, Deontay's, yeah, getting pegged underneath on the shallow. Uh, one of the San Francisco receivers in theory, I mean, obviously the most obvious, most clear one is, is George Kittle, the tight end, but you got to pick, uh, Ayuk, Bourne, anybody off the board, you guys, is it, these guys doing anything for you again? In theory, it, you know, it's a sieve there in Seattle, as far as that secondary is bleed fantasy points to, uh, to wide receivers. Uh, Diggle, what do you have for you? You have a thought as far as these guys, or maybe it's a potential fade and just load up on Kittle. What are we doing here? No, nah, I mean, it would still be Kittle for me. You touched on Jarrett McKinnon a little bit. Uh, if it came down to McKinnon and Hasty, I think McKinnon becomes a workhorse again, was rested last week, of course. That's why Jeff Wilson out-touched Hasty 19-2 until he was injured. I think it would be McKinnon's backfield if it's only them two. Otherwise, it's Tevin Coleman if he comes back healthy. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to have a lot of my exposure towards Darren Waller, like we said, and then Jonu Smith to a lesser extent. I'm just going to take a chance. Jonu Smith may not even be a good play, to be honest. But in tournaments, um, I'm willing to take on the risk, hoping that Jeff Swain's eliminated here what do you have me rebar we covered a lot of the cheap wide receiver plays just inherently through the raiders browns and Bengals conversation uh and then you know Devonte adams in his own right i do think i do kind of like Ayuk a little bit because you look at the three games that uh debo samuel has been limited or inactive i mean Ayuk's had 21.1 ppr points 13.6 and 17 and a half coming off a season high 28 percent team target share uh and then also he he can get you handoffs with Debo being out now, I mean, he's probably going to get a couple more of the handoffs. He hasn't just had, had a carry in a game since Debo came back, uh, which I believe will happen. I mean, he did a one in the Philadelphia game, but that was a, a limited game for Debo there. But So I think he's going to get some of those carries Debo got too. So, I mean, his price, I don't mind him at all, especially if we're going to try to somehow get there with Garoppolo in some capacity. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't hate him. I don't hate I just want to say I don't hate Brandon Ayoub. The chat's talking about Tyra Lockett. Yeah, I don't mean to ignore Tyra Lockett. It was incredible last week. And 
Uh, just that Seattle offense is amazing. Of course, we were on Tyler Lockett. Yeah, we, we oh, said we weren't on this show. Yeah. What? No, no, we were. I think didn't I say last week that oh, we would? Oh play... yeah, they moved the game after the show. We did talk yeah. about the game. Last yeah, week. I, I said Tyler Lockett over DK Metcalf because you just always yeah. play the lesser owned of those two. Um, I remember <laughs> talking about how pissed I was that the other one always goes off when I roster them. I had Tyler Lockett <laughs> last week though. So. Yeah, well, I meant I for mean, this show. At least, I, at least I meant to specify. Right, well, for the, well for this show, I would go DK. How about that? I would well, go there, DK there over go. Tyler. Uh, I'll throw one more cheap receiver your way. Uh, you were talking about the, you know, the, the idea with Rich that we mentioned too many cheap receivers as is or a whole bunch, but you know, if you're going to tell yourself a story, if you want to bring back in this Kansas city side, Casey's expected to score 34 points, according to Vegas, you know, Denzel Mims, like they just unleashed him. I think he was in the field at 98% of the time. And he's 3.2 K on DK, some draft pedigree, any interest if you're bringing it back as far as a KC stack. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, it's you could there's you're basically trying to talk yourself into the garbage time potential, which yeah. is always kind of tricky. Uh, you know, but yeah, he's on the field a lot, which you like. Uh, he's still Braxton Berrios is a thing for some reason. Uh, every time Jamison Crowder misses, Braxton Berrios leads the team in targets and they keep throwing to him. I, even I ran, though he, that's, who, that's who I ran out by the way in the Josh Allen stacks. I brought it back on DK with Berrios. He looked good in the first half, like Sam Dartle likes him. The only issue is. Yeah. When you get four yards in the second half, then you can't really do anything on draft. Also, it's the Tim Patrick thing, though, too, from last year. The Chiefs are just really good against wide receivers, and they have been for really three years running. Um, They are a team that are are consistent thorn uh, and stack. You, like, basically have to hit big plays against them. They're they're a hard team to stack production on, wide receiver production. So, unless you get a big play. I think you definitely can talk yourself into it. He's cheap enough that the the opportunity was there. But I would say it's a Sam Darnold wide receiver, and for some reason Braxton Barrios is going to end up with more targets than him. Yeah, and we don't know what's going to go on with Crowder as well, too, which can kind of muck that things up, muck that up to some degree. But Crowder has been really good when he's been healthy, for what it's worth. Uh, a lot of targets going his way. And I know we talk about Robinson, but, again, it's one of those weird situations where people are going to, I don't want to play KC because they're just going to blow out the Jets. But, like, if they still are going to, like, first of all, we don't know that. It means they're going to score points. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know that. And how, how do they get there? How do they get those five touchdowns? Right. Uh, Beckham's one of those guys where he's got this great ceiling and he rarely flashes it, at least in the last like, couple of years. Is Tyreek Hill kind of sort of turning to that? Is that, is that sort of small sample? I think he's going to explode one of these days, like 150 and two. And, like, why? This is all about ownership. If we're looking at, like, 5% owner, ownership for Tyreek where people are just like, oh, they're just going to run the ball and they're going to get the Le'Veon Bell in the second half or something like that. And, you know, it's going to be a blowout. Well, how'd they score those first three touchdowns? <laughs> Maybe two bombs to Hill, and who cares what he does in the second half? I, again, this is all about what ownership is, but I think he's super interested for tournaments. Anybody have a thought as far as Tariq? I know you're talking about Robinson, Daigle, but uh, yeah, he's got a pretty good price, especially considering the matchup. And it's what if the Jets kind of sort of somewhat keep it close, which is possible. They do get paid. Uh, I mean, the amount. There are a lot of, well, okay. So I just said a lot of words, but without saying any, uh, Tyreek Hill, I'll never complain against playing guys on teams that have implied totals that are five more points than the next closest team. So I'll say that he's the number one receiver. Of course, last week got benched with the starters, but whatever, like we said, this is the Raiders game all over again. Uh, if the jets stick around, even in the slightest yeah. and the chiefs are a good play overall, the chiefs are a good play. Yeah. That was a weird Dean, Let me too. ask you, let me hit you with a trivia question here. Go for it. Tyree kills played 22 games since the start of last year. How many 100 yard games do you think he has over that span? Oh, I know it's a low number. Uh, I'm going to I would say that he definitely got more over hundred yards in the 23rd game. I'll guarantee that <laughs> whichever one you're cutting it off at. No, the 23rd game will be this week. 
Oh, uh, okay. So, I'm so say, since the start of last year, including the playoffs, how many hundred yard games has he had? One. Oh, he's at three. He's at three. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I was, it was I nice would, to go low though. But I, I bet a lot, of, a lot of people I think have Tyree Kill like a misnomer of actually what he is at this point. He's actually like a safe floor, like touchdown dependent option. Uh, he's he is an efficiency outlier in a sense, but like. Last week he had the 10 targets, but look at his target shares every week. Three, six, six, six. Then he had 11, he had six. Going back to last year, he's always been a guy, he gets you four or five catches. You hope one's a big play, and then he, he probably is going to get involved for an end zone target. A lot of people think he's like this super high ceiling guy, and he just hasn't been that since the start of last year in this offense. Does that mean he's not capable of it? Sure. But like that hasn't been the player he is uh, where he was earlier in his career, and I still think he carries that stigma. And meanwhile, when Travis Kelsey doesn't get benched, he's just a tight end one like every single week. Oh, I, I think his air yards last week, Todd Kelsey was like negative three or something silly. Uh, <laughs> I was so sad because I I had a bunch of uh, a bunch of Brian and a bunch of, uh, you know, I had Kelsey Hunter too. Brian and Travis Kelsey. The yeah, combo. yeah. Yep. I, I, I didn't have them on the right teams, unfortunately. It didn't kind of line up uh, with the exception of certain lineups that kind of worked out for me on Fandle. But, hey, you know uh, – that's why we play week eight. It's going to be a good time for sure. We, we kept the chat long enough. Much appreciate you guys hanging with us for the entire hour and 20 minutes or so. Uh, would you uh, oblige us and like and subscribe? Hit the notifications button as well. Obviously, we say this all the time. Daigle and Rebar, they know who you guys are. But just in case they don't, tell them where they can find you. Tell them your Twitter. Tell them the whole deal. Rebar, you go first. Uh, yeah, listen. SharpFootballAnalysis.com. You can find the worksheet, pre-snap motion podcast. I do with my buddy, Chad Scott. Sharp Angles is like a betting real football podcast. I do with Cleve TA and Dan Pizzuta. Uh, and you can always find me here Wednesday nights on the Pick 6 Show with Dean and John Daigle. Daigle. At not Jay Daigle on Twitter, you can go please rate, review, and subscribe to the Roto World Football Podcast. Also, rotoworld.com. Um, we will be back on Sunday morning, an hour before kickoff with Twitch, NBC Sports YouTube, and Periscope answering start sick questions, the favorite time of the week, always. Uh, so, yeah, go do those things. And, Dean, I would just like to thank you for not having a five-minute-long Manscaped read tonight. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> I would like Devin, uh, I'd like to thank Devin, our fabulous producer, for not uh, giving me that read. We had a great time last time, last week with it. And it probably pops up later on, so stay tuned there, YouTube, YouTube chat. And they had a fun, with, a fun time with it as well. All right, we got to oh, yeah. go. Much appreciate everybody watching. He was Rebar. He was Daigle. I was Dean. This was the NFL Pick 6 Show. Thanks for watching. We're out of here. Good luck this week. Holler. 